Hello, I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 104 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in as always. Um, we really appreciate uh, Eva Wall coming on last week to talk about all things books and joy of books and um, you know the, the, the help it can give us with our um, creativity and our mental health as well because it's, it's such an impactful thing to read uh, things that you enjoy reading. Um, so thank you Eva you were great um, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you would I, I noticed it is episode 104 which was pointed out to me that's consistently week in week out two years 52 you know um, but I just wanted to mention that because my man uh, mentioned it so uh, yeah that's pretty cool as well um, but yeah so again thanks to everyone as always we're going to get into this uh, week's episode I'm going to introduce uh, an author of uh, the author, more uh, like it, of uh, Mind Your Gut, uh, Cara Wheatley McGrain. How are you doing, Cara? I'm really well, thank you, Derek. Uh, lovely to be here, joining you today from the UK. Yes, indeed. And uh, it is, you know, uh, worth pointing out that Cara and myself are cousins, first cousins, um, our dads, our brothers. And uh, yeah, um, we we don't think we've met. Um <laughs> We, 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 there was a thought in my mind that we may have, but uh, Cara wasn't at that event that I was at. So it is lovely to to meet Cara. Um, it's always lovely to meet. It is. I think I pointed out the show before, Cara. There is 17 in that family um, of brothers and sisters. So then we're talking about how far are we going with regards to kids, you know. Oh, it's a clan. It's a whole <laughs> clan in itself, isn't it? So, um <laughs> Yeah, lots, lots of children's children as well. So yeah, um, that's true. Is yeah. it? Is a lot. There's an awful lot. So it is hard to keep up. So it, it's really nice to to have Cara on. Um, Cara, we need to uh, obviously start where we always do. Uh, could you give us a short history of your upbringing, please? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think you've set the tone by talking about big Irish family. So obviously, my heritage is Irish. Um, although I was born and brought up in the UK, um, I am the fourth of six children, which I think is significant. I think I, I think there's something about being the middle child, which is mm. interesting, and I kind of count myself as a middle child. Um, but you know, big Irish family. Not many uh, families in the UK in the 80s that would have had that many kids. I mean, we were quite unusual family um, in that respect. Um, and so I, yet, I grew up in Birmingham, a big city. Uh, and I, I don't know, what would I say was, was important about my upbringing? I think I was aware of my Irish heritage. Mm. Um, uh, my parents were really keen I went to a Catholic school, uh, primary and secondary school. Um, I was pretty rebellious against that, actually, I've got to say. Okay, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and although growing up in a city, we had a huge garden, we were lucky to have a really big space. And, and I, I think a real sense of freedom mm. and a real memory for me of the joy of my childhood be being on my bike, out and about with the girls, you know, going around. And that would be kind of that sense maybe of space and freedom that I don't know where the kids have today. Mm. I think maybe somewhere along the way, and that's kind of been a little bit eroded, but mm. I certainly felt that there was that sense of freedom. Um, yeah, so that's a little summary, I think. Yeah, I just ask, so with regards to, to Birmingham, though, how close were you to the city, um, the centre? Pretty close. We live okay. in um, lived in the suburb of Moseley, which is a really nice little kind of suburb. Lots of coffee shops, lots of like. When I grew up, there was a butcher, a baker, 
not a candlestick maker, okay, but yeah, there, were, so. <laughs> there was a lot of like little independents, greengrocers. Um, so pretty close, yeah. um, but it, the kind of, there's quite a lot of suburbs. So mm. it was green parks, um, nice environment. And I would say kind of a city, which has got a lot of immigrants kind of mm. aware of the very varied heritage of people around me. So my best friend was South American. She was from Chile. Um, there were a lot of Irish kids around, uh, kids from India. That it was a really diverse, mm. you know, Caribbean. So it was a real melting pot of different cultures, religions, and I, I think I would say that's influenced me to be a really open-minded person. Mm. I, you know, I grew up in an incredibly diverse um, setting, and I think Birmingham has that feeling of, of real diversity and inclusion, which I really, I really like. It's a city that's got a lot of warmth to it. Brilliant. Um, so when did you first become aware of mental health? I first became aware of it in my teens because I was quite an anxious teen. Um, I would say I was quite sensitive. Um, I was quite reflective. I was a little bit of a questioner. Um, and I started to realise I was kind of having periods of, of anxiety, um, a little bit of depression, but more anxiety. And I, I think anxiety is a very personal thing. And, you know, people can, I'm sure, relate to the word anxiety and we all get different degrees of it at different times. But I would say among my siblings, I was aware I was a little bit more anxious. Um, so I, I don't know whether we would have even used the expression mental health at that time. So this would have been in the 90s. Um, but I was aware that, yeah, I was struggling a little bit and I wouldn't have been able to fully articulate it. And it mm. wouldn't have been in the nineties. I don't think we were talking openly about mental health or even necessarily anxiety. Um, definitely spoke to my mom about it or she, I think she was aware of it. And then, um, then I think at university, I still, I was suffering definitely with some anxiety at university. And now I would link that very firmly with my gut health because mm. I was at the same time having gut health concerns and I didn't realise or make the connection Yeah, I now can make. Um, but the two are so firmly interwoven. Um, and then I think just to share, um, I've worked in education for a long time. You know, I now work as a coach and speaker and... I work in the area of well-being, but for many years I worked in education. And I think the most powerful thing I could say about that experience is over 20 years of working in education, I have seen such a huge exponential growth in anxiety and depression mm. in the young people that I've worked with. So I specifically work in further education colleges. So I work with the age group 16 to 19. Um, and I know when I started my work in education in the early 2000s it was quite exceptional for the young person to come and speak to me and say i'm feeling anxious or i'm feeling depressed and i think there's two things there it's one yes we're talking more openly about it but i also think tangibly more people are feeling anxious mm. so i went from it being quite exceptional quite rare to being incredibly normal that you'd have you know young people that i would be working with or supporting who were uh, um, feeling highly anxious, highly depressed, maybe self-harming, um, and quite complex mental health issues emerging. And also having conversations with parents who were 
desperately trying to make sense of how to support mm. their teenager where suddenly they were, their teenager was having these really, really quite complex um, uh, concerns. So I definitely say my personal experience working in that environment over 20 years, I really saw a significant growth in mental health issues. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of like we could talk um, for hours and trying to um, name things that it could be. And, you know, um, the, the situation, even the last couple of years will have added to that again. And it's, it's so um, prevalent and it's one thing to, um, you know, for, for a child to try and notice what anxiety is, it's very difficult because as you said there, it's like, try and put it into words with someone. Even now, sometimes when people talk to me about anxiety, I struggle to, to, to fully explain it. And I've, you know, tried to fully explain it for years now. It's, it's just such a difficult thing to pin down. And like you say, again, it's a, it's a personal thing as well. And it's, it doesn't affect everyone equally. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we will get into the fact that the, the gut and, and anxiety and mental health are linked and um, we'll be, I'll be able to relate, I think, on, on that uh, point. But um, so when you were uh, feeling physically like unwell with regards to whether it was, you know, uh, the gut or the stomach or the anxiety. Um, uh, what was what was that? What was uh, the the symptoms of it? Um, I my a lot of my anxiety was around how I felt about school. I was actually very unhappy at school. Um, I went to pretty pretty big, comprehensive. So I think I had there was one thousand four hundred students at my secondary school. So it was a big school. Mm. Um, and I think. I probably being quite a sensitive kid. Um, I just struggled in that really big, really big kind of bustly, very busy environment. And a lot of it focused, my anxiety focused around school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, well, I'm, I, I don't know if I've actually shared this before, but I, I truanted. So I took time off to mm-hmm. help manage my anxiety because I just found being in school, going to school very stressful. And um, my mom was aware of it and was a little bit supportive and and would kind of just help me, I think, a little mm. bit. I think my dad was like, you need to be in school. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bit of a divide. Um, and, uh, yeah, what was what the physical symptoms would have been um, a sense of agitation, a sense of, like, just not being at ease, not being relaxed, um it felt like a high stress thing getting into school and I remember I used to take the bus to school and I remember standing at the bus stop and like I have recently driven past that bus stop and honestly Derek I look at that bus stop and it just gives me a wave of anxiety now really (laughs) so many years later I look at it and go I was so unhappy at that bus stop I remember standing there going oh my god I've got to get through a day of school I've got to get through it and then I remember getting off the bus and walking the 10 minutes home and being like so physically relieved like almost like being able to breathe more deeply because I was going home and I just had survived the day so and nothing was happening at school I wasn't there was Mm. nothing going on at school physically and I was my teachers probably thought I was getting on okay you know I had friends Mm. but I just found it overstimulating overwhelming really busy really noisy very chaotic and for me all of that as a sensitive teen was anxiety inducing yeah and you you started to feel you, you mentioned there you started to have problems with your gut then that early yeah and like like now what i know is 
so it's like they're interrelated mm. so i was feeling overwhelmed really struggling and then i was starting to have stomach pains i was kind of finding i was struggling to digest certain foods um interestingly at the same time i became a vegetarian so being a sensitive kid i was like yeah animal welfare i'm gonna become a vegetarian i yeah. still am you know, good sick. yeah <laughs> but i think i wasn't a very healthy vegetarian i was a bit of a cheese on toast vegetarian like, okay like, you know mum was cooking a more for the family it's like what am i gonna have i'll have i'll just have something simple so i wasn't necessarily eating the pulses and eating the diverse foods that i would know that would be healthy now i was just kind of simplifying mm. and um I think that might have been another factor in that is that my diet was very limited right. um, and then I was having some digestive issues and then the anxiety. So it was all kind of interwoven um, and kind of happening at the same time. And you, because it says on the front of your book, which obviously we're going to talk about, you you have, um, you were diagnosed with IBS and IBD and I, I IBS is something that I, I guess everybody knows, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, and um, they may not know the the you know the symptoms of it, but they know it. But what is IBD? Okay, that's a great question. So just to go, um, irritable bowel syndrome um, is about one in ten people in the UK, and I assume the statistics are very similar in Ireland. So about one in ten people have this condition. Globally, it's around eleven percent of the population. Okay. Some digestive dis- issue, and IBS is the most common. So this is a global issue with our guts. It isn't just you know regional or national or local. Yeah. Thing. Um, and then IBD is in um, inflammatory bowel disease. So this is where there's actual evidence of heightened inflammation in the digestive tract, and it can be a very serious condition. There are two forms: there's Crohn's disease and there's ulcerative colitis. I have ulcerative colitis, okay. and this means the lining of the intestinal wall is so inflamed that it's very difficult sometimes to digest food. It can cause bleeding. It's pretty serious condition. Mm. Um, And around about half a million people in the UK have that. And interestingly, one in four new diagnosis are young people under the age of 16. Wow. Yeah. Um, I I do like to get the the, uh, statistics from time to time just to kind of put it into perspective because, again, we can be kind of flippant about some things, you know, and then when you hear there's 11%, it's pretty extraordinary. It's a high, high number. Um, So when you were uh, initially diagnosed, Mm -hmm. um, what what kind of, because obviously this was a number of years ago, at the time, was there, um, what kind of advice did you get and was was there a medication involved? Yeah, so um, I was initially diagnosed when I was at university, and I, to be honest, I didn't really take it like that seriously. I was like, mm. I'll just deal with it. Um, and then um, about eighteen months after I was diagnosed, um, I ended up in hospital, extremely ill, and uh, things happened very rapidly. Um, I was admitted to emergency here in the UK, um, and they basically, my, my specialist consultant, told my mom they might need to operate to remove my colon because I was in such a such a terrible state. Um, I had like just you know, extensive inflammation, um, very severe bleeding, um, you know, lots of like, weight loss. I'd been ill for quite a few months by the time I actually went into hospital. And uh, I was given intravenous steroids, which is kind of one of the more uh, treatments, for, more serious forms of treatment at that time to control the inflammation. And they wanted to see if I responded to those. They gave me 48 hours. 
if I didn't, I would have had to go in for surgery. So as a young woman in my 20s at university in this really terrible state, um, fortunately, I responded to the medication. Um, and at the time, the conversation was very much, um, you have this for life. You will be on medication for life. We're going to wean you off the intravenous steroids, but you're going to be on medication for life. And pretty much there's not a lot we can do about it. It's just how it is. And um, that's pretty <laughs> a bit of a sentence at yeah. that age to be told that prognosis. Um, I had a really strong sense um, that actually diet played a factor. I just had this really strong kind of intuition, kind of gut mm-hmm. instinct. I'm going to use that word purposely, gut instinct. Yeah. <laughs> Diet was a factor and uh, because of, I suppose, because of my age and how um, powerful an experience it was, I also just took it as a huge opportunity to take stock and say, actually, wow, I kind of, you know, probably could have died from this condition Mm. in a really bad way. Um, And uh, there's an opportunity here to really have a think about this anxiety that I've been kind Mm. of living off and maybe some other things that are happening in my life and go, what, what can I do? What's in my power to change or support myself in the situation? And I started a real journey towards making some significant changes in my life, um, diet and lifestyle to support myself. Um, and I, that's what I share in, in my book. Mm. Um, that's very much the journey. And um, because I, I felt the, conventional medical treatment, although incredibly important and life-saving, wasn't really about trying to, I suppose, be preventative and kind of support the the chronic, it's it's a chronic condition, but support that chronic condition to be, I suppose, as well managed as possible. Yeah, I, there was. The, you do describe an, an out of body experience that you had, and is that what you mean in in um, kind of changing things around yourself? Is that is that something you saw uh, during that? Yeah, I did. On the, the night that I got into hospital, um, I, I was just so ill. I was hooked up to drip. My blood pressure was really, really low, and in the night, um, I two nurses coming towards the bed that I was in and I I you know could hear them saying her blood pressure still really low mm. and I had a sense that I wasn't in my body I was at the side of it and I was kind of experiencing this from a distance um only very briefly mm. for a very brief you know the blink of an eye really very short period a few seconds and, and a minute maybe but it stayed with me and I remember when I woke up the next morning in hospital I just had this incredible sense of kind of compassion. And I think that's the best word to describe it is I had this incredible sense of compassion for this very frail body that I could, you know, that was me lying on the bed in this terrible state. He'd been so, so ill during the night, you know, um, he was starting to respond to the treatment. It's almost like I'm talking about myself in the the second person because (laughs) it did feel slightly like I had a sense that actually, um, we're not necessarily our bodies. There's something separate from our body. And and I think I felt that sense that I wanted to be more compassionate and more caring about maybe the anxiety and the way that I was living yeah. maybe had been, had been causing that. Yeah. It was, it was a very positive out of body experience and that's, you know, that's a good thing. Um, let me just read out an ad, Cara, if you don't mind. Um, 
Actually, it's funny. I should mention t- tonight we are recording this on uh, Saturday. I think it's the twenty first. Yeah, is it twenty second? Yeah, twenty second. Yeah. And uh, Ireland is open now. Everything just <laughs> from yesterday. Everything is just open. So there might be a few out of body experiences tonight in the town. Um, I will not be there, by the way. Just so people know. But um, uh, it's you know it's great news for for you know a lot of people, a lot of businesses uh, around the town and the country in general. So. Um, Obviously, I'm going to talk about my gym. I'll read the ad. Uh, Fusion Training Center, Monksland, Athlone. A place to train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, martial arts, and CrossFit. A great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community. If you want to join the team, find us on Facebook at Fusion Training Center or drop in for a chat. Fusion Training Center, train like a warrior. So obviously, uh, Martin would uh, will be on the other end of his phone or Facebook, whatever. If you do want to try something new uh, for the new year and things are opening up and yeah, it's all it's all positive, um, and you get to meet lovely people in there. That's what I did. So we will get back into it, Cara. Um, your book, mind your gut. Um, when did uh, the idea to write that happen? Oh, that's a good question. And just to say, um, it's calm your gut, Derek. Calm your gut. My, oh, my my company, the company that I, my well being company is the Mindful Gut. So I, I totally get that. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Okay. I'm your good people. Um, the when did the I? Uh, it came about about three years ago. So I actually started writing the book in 2019. It's quite a long time writing a book in traditional publishing. Okay. Um, so obviously it came out January 2022. So it's it's quite a long journey. Yeah. Um, I started to really want to explore writing and being creative. Um. Uh, actually, interestingly, when my dad passed away, I started writing. I kept a diary around the time he was very ill. <clears throat> and I um, I had felt quite drawn to wanting to record and, and write and kind of capture that and to be more creative. <clears throat> and then I felt, I felt quite drawn to sharing my story, partly because of, you know, the point I was making about the number of young people I was seeing with mental health concerns in education, which is a place I've worked for a long time. Um, and also, yeah, I just felt maybe I've got something to share. Um, maybe a, a bit of a funny statement, but at the time I started writing, a couple of the key leaders in the free world um, here in the UK and America, I was thinking there's some, so, <laughs> without naming particular politicians. Yeah, that's okay. We know. <laughs> kind of thought, yeah, um, maybe maybe because you know sometimes you think oh who am I to write this who am I to tell my story who am I to write a book and I actually felt to myself when I that popped up I felt you know maybe it's really important that we hear from other people's perspectives or maybe it's really important that we hear from people who are talking from a place of compassion or talking from a place that isn't completely self-interest you know maybe that is important Mm. um so I don't know if that that makes sense absolutely yeah no it absolutely does and um uh, thanks for not mentioning those world leaders because you will set your uh, uncle Pierce off uh, something <laughs> shocking if he hears those names. Um, but but compassion is something you've mentioned a couple of times now, and I think it's such a such a, a big big word in, in meaning, you know. And um, when it, as it's such an important part of you, how do you show your gut compassion? Oh, I love that question. Um, so in many different ways, I think I think. Um, 
you know, we're talking, you know, third week of January and mm. a lot of us probably haven't been particularly compassionate about gout over Christmas and New Year. Yeah. Um, so let's look at the opposite of compassion for a moment, yeah. like chucking a lot of stuff at your gut. It's yeah. all sorts of lovely, rich foods, different kind of drinks that maybe are asking a lot. It's a lot of work. You know, mm. if you were to say the analogy I sometimes use in my book is if you were a boss and your gut is a worker, like you're getting it to work long hours, impossible working conditions, chucking all sorts of stuff at it. And it's like, okay, how much has your gut got to deal with? And there's, it's kind of almost that sense of seeing that relationship in that way and being compassionate with your gut is, is actually thinking, what does my gut need to support it? So it needs to rest. There's a lot of evidence around having a proper break, um, um, intermittent fasting, which is, having a break from your evening meal into your morning breakfast, which is that fast period overnight and having your breakfast a little bit later. So your gut actually has a proper time to rest. Um, and this is because there's a biology to the gut, which is every time we eat food, we create a low level of inflammation in the gut, quite normal postprandial inflammation it's called. Um, but if we're grazing all day, and we're eating late into the evening, and we're snacking late into the evening while we're watching our favorite Netflix, you know, soap or whatever it might be, um, we are actually causing quite a lot of pressure, quite a lot of stress on the mm. digestive tract because it's constantly working. It's constantly, you know, processing something. So something as simple as just giving it a break, you know, like not eating for 12 hours in yeah. a 24 hour period or, you know, pushing that to 14, not eating for 14 hours in a 24 hour period is there's huge evidence of the benefit, the benefit of that for the gut health. Yeah. Um, my, my friend, um, is really uh, talks very highly of that of of the intermittent fasting and uh, it's always been something that when he's talked to me about it I I don't know why but it's just a number uh twelve we'll say twelve hours for for argument's sake it's just sound very daunting now I know you take into account the fact that I'm in bed for maybe eight of those hours it's a it's a bit it's a large chunk of it but. I don't know if that's the reason why people are put off and they think, oh, I'm going to be starving, you know, for, for this period of time. But he can't talk highly enough of doing it every so often. It's not he, he doesn't do it every day and that, you know. So I think it's really interesting that you brought that up as well. Yeah, and I, I agree. It doesn't need to be seven days a week. And I think I think it, the evidence is, you know, just to do it occasionally. It might be you choose a couple of days a week. It might be natural at the weekend. You might have a, a slightly later breakfast depending on your work pattern. Um, but yeah, the evidence is is really clear, and and the reason it's particularly beneficial is there's evidence of it supporting the gut microbiome. Okay. And the gut microbiome, I think, is an important part. Going back to your question, how do you show your gut yeah. compassion? Is the gut microbiome is this um, amazing inner world of our gut bacteria? And for people who haven't heard about it, um, sometimes um, I say that we are actually more bacteria than we are human. Mm because we have 150 bacteria in our body for every one human cell. So we have around 100 trillion bacteria mm -hmm. in our gut, most of which are in our large intestine. And um, most people, we, like, we don't even think about this. Like, you know, you know what, what's this What's this in a world of yeah. bacteria? What does that mean? Bacteria are bad, aren't they? You know, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got it like all sanitizing our hands, we're all kind of washing them, bacteria, no, viruses, no. But actually, um, our bacteria in our gut are, are amazingly important, like mm. very, very important. And um, we each also, what's what's amazing is we each have our own unique set of, of, of um, 
combination of bacteria. So I sometimes say our bacteria is as unique as our fingerprint. Mm. So there are um, uh, around 4,000 different bacteria in the gut, but we all have kind of like our unique combination of those bacteria and balance of those bacteria. And some are more helpful and some are less helpful. And um, intermittent fasting has been shown to, to support the balance of, of gut bacteria. Um, and when you talked about like gut compassion, because that can sound a bit abstract, how do you show your gut compassion? I would also say we're actually kind of supporting the bacteria in our gut, mm. you know, who kind of, I can say they're living entities, but they are, they have an important role in digesting our food, but also really importantly to bring this conversation very firmly into the realm of mental health. They also are really central role in synthesizing our feel good hormones. Mm. So around 95% of our um, serotonin levels are produced, our serotonin are, mm. is produced in our large intestine and around 50% of our dopamine. So these, you know, really good, feel good hormones are actually being synthesized and created by these little bacteria. And what these little bacteria need is really good food to help them to develop and help them to thrive because they're basically eating what we're eating mm. and we're chucking a lot of not good stuff at them a lot of sugar a lot of highly processed food they actually haven't got the nutrients and the things that they need to thrive and to support us as well so it's kind of a really interesting relationship yeah. with them i i am um, i see when we were talking about compassion to to the gut but you know when we want to give compassion to our skin and we do uh you know we we moisturize it we give compassion to the hair we wash it even to the the brain if we are talking about mental health we try and do mindful things like whether it's meditation or going out for a run all those kind of things and again if we're looking after our heart we'll try and do the same thing you know keep healthy um but you know we we may not think of things like the gut you know and and i uh, you mentioned earlier, I think it was before we started recording, but the the fact that like more people are out there now talking about it. We had Sarah Breslin, who was absolutely brilliant, who, who mentioned about the, the, the serotonin and dopamine. And I didn't know that. Like, and that's I felt bad for not really knowing that. But, you know, um, it was good to learn it. Obviously, it's very important that we learn these things. But I think when you when you were talking about because you obviously had to make changes um, to your life um how had those changes uh, that you made to your gut changed your life in general? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's kind of interdependent. The two mm. support each other. So um, I, um, I do have a mindfulness practice. So I do have um, a daily mindfulness practice. And I think that has, that supports my gut health, mm. but it also supports my mental health. Um, and I also have um, a breath practice that I do, um, and I'm, I'm sure you're aware that the breath is like kind of key to both our awareness, but it also has a, a huge impact on our um, level of calm in our gut. Mm. Um, and I think what I think it's understanding that we as human beings live in two key states. We live in either we're either very much in our sympathetic nervous system response which is our fight flight or freeze and you know this is where we're in a highly stressed state our blood pressure is high our heart rate is high and that is absolutely um 
we've evolved to be that way. So back in the day when our ancestors were a big, scary animal, you know, the blood would go pumping to the muscles and they could run or they could fight or they, you know, would make, they would freeze. And mm. at that point, interestingly, our digestive system completely shuts down. We don't have any saliva released. That's why we might get a dry mouth. Mm. Um, our digestive enzymes stop. And, um, you know, we might even have an evacuation because literally like just get rid of all yeah. non-essential activity. And we certainly don't need to be thinking about food if we're just running away from mm. a saber toothed tiger. So that's our, that's our sympathetic nervous system response. And then our parasympathetic nervous system response, which is where we want to be more of the time. And especially when we're eating, mm. um, I call it our rest, digest, tend and befriend mode. So think about those words. This is where, this is our calm. Mm. This is our place of, at that point, um, our blood supply goes back to our digestive system, our digestive enzymes, the saliva starts to release. We can, um, and this is also kind of a time when our body restores, it rests, it's restorative, it's very healing state. Mm. And for me, um, one of the big things I teach as as a wellbeing coach is breath practices that support people to, as it within three breaths or a moment go from sympathetic to parasympathetic because the breath is a wonderful way of doing mm-hmm. that. Um, and, um, it's about you talk, we talked, I don't know if it was before we, recording, we talked a little bit around cold water, you were talking about yeah. cold water swimming and, and actually the, the science of that is it's actually about supporting us to, to actually our body to have more ability to return to the parasympathetic mode quickly. And it's the vagus nerve, it's toning the vagus nerve, which is um, this beautiful wandering nerve that starts in the brain, goes down the side of the neck, um, it goes into the lungs, the heart goes into, supplies so many different parts of the body, but then it goes down into our gut. And it's this amazing, I call it the kind of, it's like a 10 way super highway between the gut and the brain. It's the mm. gut brain axis. It's this key nerve, the vagus nerve that not many of us really know about or that are aware of. But the power of this nerve is that as a 10-way super, 10 lane superhighway, six of the lanes go from the gut to the brain and four go from the brain to the gut. Mm-hmm. It's really important that we're aware of this and by breathe, something as simple as breathing, and I teach it as a breathing into the belly, something as simple as breathing into the belly, breathing into that lower part of the lungs, we actually can notice really quickly that we drop into mm-hmm our parasympathetic nervous mode um splashing cold water on the face cold cold swim um humming singing Mm -hmm. laughing these are all wonderful ways of stimulating the vagus nerve and supporting us to drop into that rest more restful state um so i hope i answered your question you absolutely did Uh, it was like I, we mentioned before about that we have more than just family in common. I do have uh, gut uh, issues as well. We get to be diagnosed correctly or diagnosed at all, but they believe that it might be diverticulitis and I need to get a scan on it. I need to get an endoscope and things like that, um, which I'm which I'm waiting for. But what I've I've noticed um, since it's kind of started, since I kind of started feeling the the, the symptoms of it, um, one thing was obviously. The, the idea of being full or being not really, you know, you know, you have to eat, you know, you know, you have to, you have to eat your three meals and whatever else, but not really feeling it. Um, you know, going into training and feeling just a little bit, just, it, you just feel a little bit maybe tired. Um, and I was slightly 
more difficult things when you're in jujitsu and someone has their knee on your belly. It's it it becomes quite very very uncomfortable, I would say. But it is anyway. But if you've got problems with the gut, uh, so I guess what are the knock on effects of that? Um, obviously, it's it's still a kind of open. It's the fact that it's up in the air is 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 not great. But it was uh, affecting my mental health a little, and and I did manage to uh, change up my diet, um, look after a bit better, add more take away sugar, add more um, good nutrients, I guess, and vegetables mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, like we, like you mentioned, Cara, about it does have an impact on mental health, what you um, put into your body. And maybe if you, if you told me that two, three years ago, I would have thought, no, there's no chance. But now I guess I'm seeing it, not just seeing it on my own, on my own experiences, but believing in the people who know what they're talking about, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting, isn't it, that sometimes we need to almost, we need almost our own personal experience to help Mm. us to really see it. Like you're saying, I'm actually, I've made some changes, I made some tweaks, and I feel better, or my Mm. symptoms are less. And that's the powerful thing, isn't it? If you you even give it like a short period of time, like try something out for a couple of weeks, I think it can be really impactful. Mm. And and I think that I also think it's... um, you know, gut health is a really hot topic at the moment and you can hear all sorts of stuff. Like there's lots of things out there. Um, but the science, the kind of leading scientists and, and I think kind of real credible practitioners in this area are pretty consistently saying that um, we do need to reduce the ultra processed foods and sugar in, in our diets. And if you think about, you know, we're just talking about the gut microbiome. Human beings have been evolving with the gut microbiome over millennium. And the gut microbiome has not met, these bacteria have never met, you know, highly processed fast food, you know, yeah, sort yeah. of the last few decades, really. So it's new in terms of the human evolution. And mm. we're asking them to process foods that, you know, wouldn't have been around um, when, um, when they were evolving. So what we're trying to do is eat foods that our body is designed to eat that also yeah. contain the nutrients that our gut and our brain need. You know, and our brain is very hungry for nutrients. So, you know, we're really feeding our brain as well when we're eating. If we look at it that way from a kind of compassion to our mental health. Um, and I think the absolutely the best advice and I, you know, for reading, for writing the book, I've researched extensively is to, to aim for 30 different plant based foods in a week. All right. And the key is diversity. So not to just necessarily, oh, you know, I like, I don't know, I like broccoli and I like a little, a carrot and, you know, that's great. I'm having those things and they are brilliant, brilliant vegetables, but it's diversity. It's really seeking out and going, how am I giving the range of bacteria, supporting the range of bacteria, the range of different phytonutrients because I'm eating the rainbow. We've all had the expression of eating the rainbow because it's diversity because the colors in food contain different phytonutrients and this is supporting all those different bacteria remember we've got four thousand species thereabouts and also we're supporting our brain to you know we're helping the bacteria to draw out those nutrients and our brain needs them um do you think that uh, because there's a lot of information when it comes to i guess everything to do with with health and uh you know you see in the um in the the supermarket you'll see like uh, gut health yogurts and and butter and all those kind of different things that can affect it like i think some people are a little bit like you know almost in awe of the subject matter because it is a, a much more complicated i guess than we we think um 
do you think that people are maybe put off kind of getting into those kind of things, you know, to kind of read up on those things? Because uh, whereas it's for the long run, it's very beneficial in the short term. People think I'd rather watch my show on Netflix than, uh, yeah. you know, get into my get into my stuff about my course, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of this is, um, you know, balance as yeah. well, isn't it? You know, I mean, I, I'm a coach and I'm really interested in supporting people to make sustained change over time because you know we're again we're in january and it's like everyone's like you know new year's resolutions and then mm. I, what is it the average time is like 14 days or something and then people like you know it all kind of goes to pot yeah. and i think i would say making some really small simple changes that are actually sustainable over time is a way to go rather than i'm gonna do all of these incredible things and and you know i've just talked about the number 30 but it might just be going I'm going to count up how many vegetables I've had and I'm just going to maybe have one new one this week. Mm. I'll try something else next week and just keep it so simple because like, you're right. Um, we can get overwhelmed with information, can't we? It can feel yeah. like, where do I begin? And I think working with people and having been on my own health journey, um, it's keeping it simple. It's also going following your gut like I, i'm a huge believer in gut intuition like we're really intuitive people and talking about those six lanes going back up to the brain that's our gut instincts mm. you know we know our language talks about gut instincts and intuition and i think tuning into that like literally being intuitive and thinking how do i how does that make me feel you know having a meal how do i feel you know that was that was my favorite takeaway food 30 minutes later how do you feel you know if you've yeah. got like low energy and you're actually feeling slightly depressed then yeah. you know it wasn't that good for you yeah. and then maybe making that little it might be that slight effort of just going, i'm gonna like peel up these vegetables or i'm gonna create something slightly different how do you feel an hour after eating how do you feel yeah. the next day how's your energy how's your you know it's just like don't listen to necessarily listen to lots of other people, but how does it make you feel? Mm. And it, that's the best thing to say to anyone with regards to kind of any kind of health uh, challenge they may have. And if people were to ask me about, you know, dealing with anxiety or dealing with depression or mental health is to do one thing first, you know, don't do 15 things first. Cause it's, it becomes so much and uh, so overwhelming Whereas, you know, if I was to deal with anxiety, I'd be thinking, you know, go for a walk, uh, like a day, a short walk, whatever it might be. And and your uh, advice about, you know, switching it up, adding another vegetable and stuff, that's the way to do it. Nice and, you know, small steps. Because if I've ever tried to do anything, if we're talking about resolutions or whatever, uh, in an, a kind of an extreme way, it hasn't worked out. It's just been, it's become too uh, overwhelming and I ju- I'll just stop, you know. Um, there is there is something called... Um, uh, stuck thinking um i'll try and pronounce that best i can without my irish thinking i mean it with the h in it um so stuck thinking um why do you think it is difficult for people to to change their well we go with diet here really it, a lot of it's to do with habit hmm. um uh and i i would also say um we inherit our food we have a inherit it from our families don't we inherit certain ways of eating um generally though if you look back to how our grandparents would have eaten it would have been real i'm going to use the word real food in inverted commas but it would have been real food um and actually what most of us are being assailed with in the last few years is food which has been designed to be quite addictive Mm. food which has got you know there's a lot of companies spending a lot of money making the food that just 
has that amazing taste in the mouth and it's the perfect combination of sugar salt and fat that is highly addictive yeah and and you know we all like that you know and it's a click of an app it's available it's generally quite cheap you know i'm not going to name any particular fast food chains or anything and yeah we, it's it's designed we all love it and it is it's addictive it gives you it actually gives you a dopamine high this kind mm. of food you get a little tiny little hit of dopamine when you eat it because it's pleasurable and i think it's knowing that and it's knowing that some people are probably making a lot of money out of us all finding that food so attractive and so easy to eat and so readily available um and I think it's knowing that, just knowing that in itself is quite a powerful thing if you're thinking about trying to make some change. Mm. Because it's then having the knowledge that that isn't necessarily doing your gut health any good or your mental health any good. I'm going to add in something else here, Derek, which I think is particularly important at the yeah. moment. It's not actually doing your immune system mm. very much good. Um, and, you know, at a time when a lot of us want our immune system to be really resilient and really looking after us, that's a huge motivating factor, isn't it? To kind yeah. of going, okay, maybe maybe making some slight tweaks to my diet, even though I love that, my favorite takeaway, I love it, but maybe not having it quite so often and maybe yeah. swapping it out with something which is gonna support how I feel, you know, my immunity, my gut health, and just, and that can be very motivating. Um, and I think, again, I'm really interested in the psychology of change. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a huge area as a coach. I'm really fascinated by supporting people to make simple changes. And what I would say is we talked about keeping it simple, but also building in a change that is linked to another habit that you've already got. You know, um, you talked about going for a walk. Again, that can be really help, really, really helpful for the gut. Um, mm. Talk about kind of breathing in our biome, you know, breathing in our microbiome, breathing in, living in a, you know, breathing in in a diverse way in a natural environment can be really healthy and we know there's a lot of benefit to walking and mental health mm. so it's something is how do you cue that up how do you get to get that walk to happen in a way that's sustainable for example across 2022 rather than just for like the first bit of yeah. it yeah. is cueing it with something that you're more like okay something that you're more likely to do um you know i'm going to go for my walk at lunchtime I'm going to commit to doing that so my cue is i'm going to leave my shoes in a visible place next to where i put flip the cattle switch or wherever it is my walking boots are going to be there and i'm just going to go do it and then maybe reward yourself afterwards give yourself a, something a nice reward and they kind of it seems like a bit simplistic but actually just that visible and reward it can help you to start to make a simple change um it's pretty incredible when you think uh back to as you spoke about, you know, being in the hospital with, with such, you know, bad health at the time uh, to where you are now, you know, writing a book about uh, good health. You've got your business and your speaker coach. I mean, it's quite a lot of uh, stuff like um, you can't I, I, I know you can't put it all down to something like a, an out of body experience as such. But I mean, to think as you came out of the hospital the way that you did and look forward in the way you did, it must be it must be quite um, incredible looking back. Yeah, I, I sometimes I think when people ask me a bit about the book as well, I think I wrote the book that I probably needed to write when I was really ill. And mm. I've had some like amazing, the book's only been out for a couple of weeks, and I've had some amazing responses from people who are very ill, who've been quite moved because they've really connected to it because of where they're at at the moment. And I think when I wrote the book, I really wanted the book to be a message of compassion and kindness to people because when you're ill, 
that's what you need. You need compassion yeah. and kindness. You don't need people like, you don't necessarily need to be told, make lots of changes very dramatically and beat yourself up. And you, you need to actually um, a really supportive message. And I, I felt the book is a kind of, it's a love letter to the gut. Mm. It's a love letter to the importance of looking after the gut, keeping it healthy. And also I, there's a particular phrase I use, which is very important to me. And I think um, compassion is the bridge. I use this expression, compassion is the bridge between what we know and what we do. Mm. And I think if we go to a place of saying, you know, go back to your other point about you making a change or you want to make a change, if you just do it in a way that's really being really tough on yourself and I'm just going to like really do this and I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to force myself to do those press ups and I'm going to force myself to eat that juice every morning, even though it's disgusting. And I'm going to like, you know, whatever it might be. I think it gets you so far. I think that it gets you so far, but I think if you come from a mindset of compassionate self care, like I want to be kind to myself, Mm. Who else is going to be kind to me if I don't even begin with myself? You know, let's let's just be kind. Let's be kind to my body, to my brain, to my gut. Let's take care of these things. And from a place of knowledge, kind of you understand these are some of the simple changes I want to make. Then I think that translates into what you do. Yeah, I think I think the kind kind you know the kindness, compassion, the kind of empathy kind of comes across in that in that message. And what you were saying about in 2019 and what was going on around you, it's that that was what you were uh, kind of uh, something that may have not have been in the world uh, in general. And you were you were writing um, against what was happening. I I really like that um, that idea. So when when you uh, get a bit of spare time, I can't imagine it's a lot. Uh, what do you like doing with it? Um, I love being outside in nature. I have an allotment, um, and a big part of my ethos is grow your own if you can, you know, um, I, I love being out there. I love getting my hands in the soil. I love growing things. There's something really powerful about like putting some shoots in the ground. I've got a puppy. Um, she loves having walks, so she's pretty like Texas, <laughs> time, but she's lovely. Um, and yeah, spending time with with family, um, spending time with friends. It feels particularly precious at the moment because maybe we've had some constraints over the last couple of years. So now things are opening up. Love spending time with family. Um, and yeah, I think simple things, simple, yeah. things that simple stuff give you, give you the happiness, don't they? I think they do. And at, speaking of happiness, you, you, I saw on your Instagram page, uh, you had a video up uh, walking into uh, the Waterstone bookshop and uh, there was your book on the shelf. How uh, does that feel? I've got a big smile on my face, yeah. for listeners. <laughs> um, it was incredible. Mm. It was a real, um, a real vision come, you know, come true, a dream come true to to see it there. And and yeah, lovely and and lovely to know um, that the book's out in the world and hopefully having a positive impact on people who are just looking for a little bit of guidance on mm. on, on their gut health in particular. Um, absolutely and um, so yeah i'm over the moon it's it's yeah. wonderful for it to be out there yeah. i love i you know it's uh obviously i heard about the the book through my dad and uh i i obviously googled you straight away you know as you do and uh and there there was the book and you, you know and it's it's not that because sometimes you hear about someone you know has written a book and they've done it through like self-publishing or something like that and, and i'm not taking away from anyone who said that by the way but just when you see oh it was bang there was like a few pages and I, I was like, oh, right, okay. So I did order my one off book depository. By the way, yeah, people should order the book off book depository. Um, 
Cara, actually, what's it called? I don't want to mess it up again. It's called Calm Your Gut, and it's a mindful and compassionate guide to healing IBD and IBS. Yes. And it's um, the publishing house is Hay House, um, and it's available from lots of different retailers, like uh, many different retailers, I'm sure, and globally, actually. So um, lots of places in Ireland, people can order it. Yeah, great. Because I think... Uh, people who know me, I'm not the most fond of shops. Uh, so I, I do really like the online uh, experience of just being able to go, oh, yeah, I'll, t- I'll one of them in the basket and I'll go. And I know that's a, it's not always a good thing for people, but I'm OK. I can kind of control it a little bit. Um, but before before you go, Carol, like what what would be like one piece of uh, advice that you might give someone who is um, maybe feeling a little bit, uh, you know, that they're good, you know, they have a feeling because like you said, good instinct was a great way, way to put it because it very much is because that's what I felt, you know, that it was something to do with the gut and I had to go see it. I would say a really empowering thing to do um, is to just notice what you're eating and the impact it has. Mm. Um, so if you can just jot down like a really simple, like at the end of the day, you know, if you, are you bloated? Are you uncomfortable? What's mm. what's going on? Because you might notice a pattern with trigger foods that would be like a really simple way of owning it. But I'd also would really encourage people, you know, do have a dialogue with your GP or your mm. doctor practitioner, if you have, because, uh, you know, there are many things that can go wrong with the gut and it's really helpful to get a proper diagnosis so you know what you're working with. But in terms of their own experience, absolutely keep a food diary, notice, and, and kind of follow those, those lovely gut instincts because we've got a lot of wisdom in our gut. Excellent. And where there's one more question. Where can people find you online? I'm at uh, www.themindfulgut.co.uk. Mm-hmm. And that's my site. It's got a lot of information about the book and also about um, coaching that I offer as well. And I, I try to keep a, a regular blog up with just little tips on gut health. Mm-hmm. Too. Brilliant. Um, and on Instagram as well, if people want to go. Oh, yes, and, of course. Yeah. I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and <laughs> I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I'm on all the social channels. If they go to the website, they'll see all the. Oh, okay. It's, it's all there under one roof. I like it. Um, uh, Cara, it's been, it's been really a pleasure chatting with you today. Yeah, Derek, it's been so lovely to have a little bit of a family catch up and yeah. hopefully share some interesting things for other people to hear. Absolutely. If you don't mind waiting just a minute, I'll close this out. We'll get a little photo together and we'll go. Yeah, yeah, cool. sure. Thank you very much, Cara. I want to say also thank you very much to John for his uh, technical uh, support, uh, to Nathan for the promotion side of things. <clears throat> uh, let's say thank you as always to my mom, my dad, my granddad, Jaron Calvin. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you would, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and Cara on all those things as well Uh, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts are where you can listen to this Uh, thanks everyone for listening as always and again Cara thank you so much thanks Eric Uh, everybody else have a good week and we'll chat to you next bye